Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Proper Class Podcast. I'm Laura Checkley. And I'm Hannah Chiswick. And we are of course here to celebrate all things working class because if we don't, all the bloody hell we Three years training in musical theatre, thank you. Really, three years? Yeah. You need your money back, mate. <laughs> As always, we're going to sit down with a working class hero to celebrate their life and achievements and discuss just how they got where they are today. So on that note, who are we celebrating this week, Law? Now, look, I know we say every week how excited we are about each of our guests, but we genuinely mean it because we only chat to people whose journeys we consider truly inspiring. And this week's guest is no exception. This brilliant young lady is just tearing up the game right now. And by game, I mean the old business we call show. Christ, you're stagey today. I know. What's the matter with you? What is wrong with me? Bloody hell. I need a job. (laughs) Need a drink. (laughs) Laura's right. This week's guest is quickly becoming a household name. For someone still so young, she has an impressive body of work behind her in theatre, TV and film. And after years of slogging away, she finally got a big break on the award-winning hit comedy show, Derry Girls. Fucking love that show. Bloody iconic. Yep. Since then, she has gone from strength to strength, starring in films such as Redeeming Love and Unwelcome, which are all due for release soon and most recently completed filming on Channel 4's new prison drama Screw which um, I'm actually in too but don't let that put you off (laughs) (laughs) Thank God we're grabbing her now before she buggers off to Hollywood eh? Yeah totally because not only is this brilliant young lady a massive talent but most importantly she is a top person too who in my opinion is a proper working class success story lovely listeners please give it up for Northern Ireland's sweetheart Jamie Lee (laughs) O'Donnell Yay! Hey babe what's the crack? What's the crack? Thanks so much for having the lovely intro. Well done, guys. I know. Well, we've edited it now, so it sounds really nice, but that took about five attempts, didn't it, Jamie? Sorry. She was sat there for ages. Smooth. Well done. I'm just sitting here just like drinking on all the compliments. Oh, whoa. It's a bit like this is your life or something, isn't it? It's flashing before your eyes. Right. And it's weird to hear people like you're sitting listening to people talk about you or give, give you compliments. I, it's weird, isn't it? How do you find it? I always find it really cringy when people are saying Oof. nice things about me. Uh, I, I, it's a wee bit embarrassing. It's kind of hard to take sometimes, even though 
it's nice. It's not a negative thing. It's just a wee bit cringy. I used to be quite rude, not intentionally, but I really find it. I'm, I'm a director, so it's a different thing. People don't know your face in the same way, obviously. But I used to people go like, "Oh, I really enjoyed the show," and I'd be like, "Oh, oh." oh. And then I realised that a lot of people being giving you compliments is for them, not just for you. Like you have to be gracious and yeah, I've find to, what, I've, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, but, I've learned to sort of say, "Oh, thank you, thank you so much," because before it'd be like, "Oh, no, I'm terrible. What you're talking about? Yeah, oh, yeah. no, no, just a little old me." I wonder if that's a, do you think it's a working class thing or do you think it's just like a life thing or an actor I, I think thing? It or... might, I think it might be a bit of a working class thing because it's almost like you just, for me, and we put so much energy and effort and so much of your identity into your graft yeah. and grafting and building and working that the minute then the, you get the other, out the other end and you can sit back and enjoy it, it's almost like for me, you start to feel a bit guilty sitting back. And I think, again, that, that is coming from a sort of working class background. And then when people do make sure you with compliments, as much as it's lovely, it's it's like, for me, that's, it's weird to put myself in that frame of mind because I'm all about the work, working. And I, I was mm. actually talking to my boyfriend about this last night, funnily enough, that thankfully now my career has taken off and I really appreciate it. But because I worked for it for so long and worked so hard and I didn't have the same path like a lot of people I work, a lot of my peers, I didn't go to drama school. We couldn't really afford it. I just had to sort of make my own way. I didn't. I wasn't really trained as a dancer, but I could dance work, and just always just busted my arse to like not take no for an answer. Really pushed my way into, into the industry. Whatever sort of side step I had to take. Done promotional work for years. Worked in bars, same as a lot of people. And now that I'm at this point, I remember when I started getting things started coming in, and especially my finances started to change and started to reflect my career. Yeah. I remember feeling a bit nervous or a bit guilty. And just weird thinking, I don't know how to be this version of Jamie Lee, the mm. successful version, even though I was always successful when I was working. It's so interesting you but say because that. that was my frame of mind for so long. It was like, go, 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 go. Go for the prize, go for the prize. This feels like the prize. Each week, um, we start by asking our guest uh, to take us back to a place in time that has some meaning to them, somewhere that connects them to their working class roots. So if you were able to take us back today, where would you take us? I would say Donegal, like the wee Donegal towns like Moville and Bondorn. So for years and years and years, we went on holiday to Donegal. Derry's on the border, so it wasn't that far. But because of my family, there was a lot of kids really quickly. And there wasn't loads of money. So these, I remember going into school and, you know, some of your friends were like, oh, I went to Spain and I would lie and say I went to America and just look up all these, <laughs> these lies. Because it was, I felt so bad. Because, but thinking back on it, I have made such amazing memories and they were, they were literally about family and about, you know, like the local people. And I always remember um, going walks along the beach, along the piers and stuff of these wee Donegal towns and my daddy telling us stories about kings and queens of Ireland and banshees and Irish folklore and stuff. And it always, now that I go back to those places and I'm older, I I love going back to them. You know, when you're waiting, you're like, oh, I want to go to Spain, but it's yeah. just not happening. Yeah. But you don't appreciate it at the time, but those, no. those wee Irish bars and like the local sort of communities that we were down every single summer that we got to know when we had our own wee place, restaurants we used to go to and just wee things like that, that always reminds me of be summers in Donegal, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and just times. that lovely, you packed up the car, you were four Fiesta, and this was the day <laughs> when you could put four kids in the back and no one said anything. Yeah, yeah. You know or even I mean? in the yeah. boot. Yeah, we were talking boot, about literally. that the other day. You go, oh, get in the Not boot. The boot and, put the kids in it. and then the middle two, the two waist, would share the one seat belt with the one yeah, that went across the yeah, back. Yeah. That was me and my brother. 
the two wee teddy one there. And um, just like all the windows steamed up from all the hot <laughs> breath and too many bodies in one place, you know. Okay. And uh, and all the cracking up because we kept getting lost because there wasn't sat navs. It was just knowing where we had to turn off. Just imagine. And uh, there was always a thing, especially at a place called Bunkrana, and Movelle, they had the pink and white ice cream. That's what it was called the pink and white ice cream it obviously was like strawberry and vanilla and it came out in a soft serve oh right but it was like iconic for dairy people if they went on holidays it was all about the pink and white ice cream oh. and it's wee things like that that you look back that I just get so many nice memories of of, of just like packing up the car and driving over the border for for your summer holidays it's funny isn't it because no one's been able to go away this year and suddenly like it's become really like a staycation I thought that's what mm. people have been doing for years working class families have been staycationing I it's know. just like this suddenly now this, it's become this trendy thing to do yeah whenever the people are like and obviously fair play to them but this as you say the staycation like there's this new thing it's called caravanning you're like yep mm-hmm. <laughs> caravanning it's called caravanning <laughs> everybody's doing it these days darling it's like yeah yeah we know we you were mentioning um, school there. So uh, tell us a bit about school. What was that like? Did you have a good time? What was school like I for think, you? Um, about it both. I think it's the same as a lot of people. You know, it wasn't fantastic, but it wasn't like a, a shit show either. I always, always, always believed that I was going to be an actor, or perf- actor to be honest, but I always had a couple of backup roles of performing I was going to do. And what I made never you... What made, sorry, babe, what made you go, oh, I want to be an actor? How did that come about? Because I, I think I've spoken to you. None of your family are in the business at all, right? No, nobody. Um, I think I just always used it as a bit of escapism when I was small. Mm. Any problems in life or the family or anything like that. I always remember retreating into my own world. I always remember saying I didn't have a whole lot of friends when I was really weak because I just had my imagination. Yeah. And it was just like I was always somewhere in the house dressing up like a complete weirdo just I would just arrive at dinner in an outfit or like a like a Halloween outfit <laughs> and we would just like oh well, nobody, nobody would ask because what's the point there's going to be a poem attached to a hat attached to a mood <laughs> and, a, and a dance routine and there was four kids under the age of four whenever we were born and my parents were really young having us and they worked and they just could not be arsed to have another explanation of why you're wearing that fun hat at the dinner table so we scared of past that a lot but I think that was just it was just a way of coping, I think, with life at the very, very start. And mm. I didn't realise this until people started asking me this question mm. because it's been like this as far back as I can remember. Like making up poems and storylines and characters and always doing accents. Yeah. I just loved the sort of freedom that being creative gave me. And I think I just always carried that on. I remember thinking, imagine I could be a millionaire doing this. Yeah. So I always have big, big, big goals. And you're saying about school, teachers, there were some really supportive ones mm. and ones that not that they were trying to be unsupportive. I think they were trying to be realistic. And I remember in my, a lot of my school reports, my teachers would say, talks too much, always has her head in the clouds. And that was like the number one thing I got from yeah. all my teachers. Her, her head's in the clouds. Needs which to come is, back which is the perfect sort of attributes you need to be an actor, really, isn't it? You talk too much and her head's in the clouds, I think. I know. <laughs> it's so fascinating. I always think like with any like creative person, you ask them to read out their school report and they're always mm. saying, you know, if only they... Mine was the same. Mine was like, if only she spent as much energy on concentrating on her maths as she did yeah. coming up with stories or creative ideas. And I think, thank God I didn't because I'm still mm. rubbish at maths. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know. You're so right. I remember getting that as well. If only she'd concentrate on her studies. And I remember uh, my teacher saying she's naturally smart. Uh, and not in a bad way. I think I was. I think I got... a. a, a I coughed on this stuff really quickly, like maths and stuff. But I was like, uh, the reason behind it was like, if I can do this really quickly and get that out of the road, that'll give me extra time to, to have my own wee head in the clouds and my own story time. Mm. 
obviously we we call it like a state school here in England. Is that the same thing? What is the school system like? Because you obviously went to school in Derry, right? Yeah. Um, so would you were you at the sort of the same equivalent like a state school? Was it what's the um, education like over there? I think so. I I mean I know there's a couple of private schools where I think you can your parents can pay and stuff like that, as far as I'm aware. But a lot of the schools here are religious. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Which um, if I'm honest, I'm not a fan of. They're very um like at all girls or all boys Catholic schools. Right. You get the same in the Protestant schools and you'll get mixed schools as well. So they're mixed religion and mixed gender, which apparently do quite well. Mm. I think the girls in those schools do better. But um, it was I went to an all girls Catholic school, which was obviously good crack and just what I everything I've known. My parents, like everybody, everybody in my area went to a school like that. There was a couple that you choose you chose from depending on your catchment area. So it was an all girls Catholic school, and do you know what? It was there was good memories and bad memories. I think the same as as most people. I did drama and art for me GCSEs and stuff and I, I just adored those classes obviously. And did they encourage that Jamie like were they did they encourage you doing arts and drama or was it sort of less encouraged I guess if it was like quite a religious school were they trying to keep you more academic always or do you feel like they embraced that? I think they did embrace it I mean even if they didn't I probably wouldn't have even taken any notice because I'd already <laughs> made that decision in my head yeah. that that's where, um, uh, that's where I'm going to pursue and that's where I'm going to put a lot of my effort into and my teachers, Miss McDade and Miss McTague, Miss McKenzie, there's quite a few, like especially in the art department, that were just so supportive of the, sort of your creative talents. And I spent a lot of time in the art and drama rooms, even after class. I would have mm-hmm. went up to do my homework up there. We would have hung around there. Plus, they were the sort of departments where your teachers were kind of cool. Yeah. So they let you have a cup of tea when you were in sixth year or like fifth year, and you <laughs> felt dead mature, like you were at uni. So they were yeah. like the cool teachers. Yeah. And like I heard one of them say shit once. And I was like, whoa, this is so cool. She swore. Do you know what I mean? But it's so important. Those those teachers are so important, aren't they, along the way? Because, you know, if, you, if you're if you in some sort of a different environment where they didn't let you or didn't embrace that, it, 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 as determined as you was, it might have just cut off the opportunities for you and, and the, I don't know, the growth of it. Do you know what I mean? I think, do you know, for me, I think that was the sort of environment I very first the very first time I felt respected yeah as somebody who's under the creative arts right and it was only like 15 16 and I remember ideas and things you came up with and like you know for like um your exams and stuff and your the teachers really sort of putting risk just sort of giving you respect and putting a lot of trust in your abilities yeah at that time and I remember thinking god this feels good I I really feel pressure but I feel like I can do it it's like the you know first I mean? time an adult sees you outside of your family I think it's so important that it's not in your family whether you've got supportive family and not supportive family it doesn't matter you need another adult Mm -hmm. to see you as like a potential adult like what you could be in the world I remember that so much like you're saying about your teachers saying shit and thinking whoa and you know I had an amazing drama teacher I remember having a wine with her when we went to theatre yeah I was about we were definitely not 18, but we were about 16 and stood outside the theatre having a wine and like talking about a play and, and just thinking, oh, she thinks yeah. I'm an adult and just feeling yeah. like seen and like understood in a way and going, oh, she can see who I'm going to be and such a lovely thing. Yeah. So did you stay on? Did you leave at 16? What did you do? Did you do A-level? or? So I, because of the way I sort of grew up, I was always very adult and very mature in that sense so I was going through fifth year got my GCSEs I thought I'll go back to um, lower sixth 
But I really, really wanted to go to a B-Tech and do performing arts. And I'd overheard a friend of mine had left. And I remember ringing her and her saying, oh, I'm going to the tech to do drama. And so I was like, oh, well, I, I would love to do that. But I'd already started sixth year. Right. So I rang the B-Tech, organized an audition, got the day off school, went down, organized all the paperwork, auditioned, got the, pl- the part or got the place, sorry. Then went back to my teachers, told them what I had done and what my plans were. And they were like, you need your parent to sign off on this. So I just went home and put a page in front of my mom. I was like, sign there. She signed it. And then that was me at the beach at a B-Tech. And I was so glad. I did. It was one of the best things I ever did. Up until a couple of years ago, that was the hardest I'd worked on in theatre. It yeah. was the best thing I've ever done. It was brilliant. Mm. And so a B-Tech's obviously free to do, isn't it? It's part of like a... Mm. So you get to the end of that and are you thinking, oh, you'd love to go to drama school, but it just isn't a realistic financial option. It really wasn't. And again, I, I was doing all that myself. <clears throat> I was working. I had two jobs. I'm a B-Tech when I was 16. So it was saving to, to go to uni and, and obviously you have to do the student loans and all that. Mm-hmm. So I went to uni after that. I'd stayed for two years. It just wasn't, it just wasn't for me at all. I, I absolutely hated uni. Yeah. I just turned 18 and then I went to uni and um I remember just being, because I went to England, I remember just feeling really out of sorts. And again, you meet like people from different backgrounds and I went over my own and stuff as well. So I remember just feeling really a bit lost and a bit intimidated and I just stuck it out. But I did. I really didn't enjoy it at all. I just. I really wasn't for me. Um, did you go to uni because like drama school wasn't on your on your like radar, or was it just because well that's never going to happen? Like, did you even audition and think, oh, I see if I can get a scholarship or something? Um, I auditioned for one in Scotland, and then, um, but I, I was late because I had to fly over to you, and then. I remember uh, looking into the ones in London and it was like 50 or 60 a pound to apply. See, this is such, now we're on this, I want to talk about this yeah. because this is the big thing, you know, like not only would you have to pay to audition, you'd have to mm. pay for your flight. Then you'd have to pay for a hotel to stay in. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how the hell does anyone from a working class background or, you know, that's struggling financially, mm. how are you going to get? your mum and dad to pay for how is anyone going to get there to even have the opportunity to That's be seen before you even look at the fact that that course is going to cost you sometimes in excess of 10 grand yeah like that's just not realistic for, for so many people, people. For most, most people? that's the truth. For most people, actually, the level mm. of privilege you have to have for someone to be able to fork out for you ten grand three times, yeah, you know, for for three years is just. And that's before you talk about where you're going to live if you're coming to London, you know. Like I, I went to drama school, but I got a scholarship and I wouldn't have gone if I hadn't got the scholarship. But I still, I mean, luckily I lived in London. So all my parents had to get was my audition fee. Mm. But I remember them going, you can only audition here and here because it's just too much money, Law. Like you're going to have to just go here. So I minimalised my chances of getting into drama school. But luckily... And I did it a few, I didn't get in the first year, to the first, then the second year. But luckily I had those, and my parents mm. had the money at the time. But what do you do if your parents don't have 50 quid? Like, what do you do? It's such mm. a huge thing, isn't it? I mean, we're talking obviously about you thinking about drama school. and But just money in general is trying to be in an industry that expects you to have money in order to enter it. And a mm. huge amount of money to stay in it. Yeah. It's like when you were at uni, were you also working a job? Yeah. Because so many people don't. I noticed that, you know, how many mm. people can afford to not work at uni, all. I actually got work as a dancer and was dancing. Right. Yes, we've discussed this. You danced in clubs, didn't you? Yes. So I worked as a podium dancer. Again, auditioning with girls who were trained from like the dance school. And yeah. there's me just rocking up. And all my experience was a couple of dance classes. <laughs> and then 
taping taping music videos from MTV and then watching them over and over and over on my living room until I got the choreo the, the choreo and then just practicing myself and just fanning about the house for years. And I remember getting these jobs with these girls and they were really not happy. They were about like, where did you train? This is all I didn't. And there's me wet behind the ears all, hey friends. Yeah. And they just were like, this is ridiculous. You shouldn't be on this job. It actually happened when I started acting as well, professionally. Really? But, um, really? I, I think people just, I mean, not everybody obviously, but yeah. I think a lot of people were about like, how did she get this job? She's, she's not, you know, we put all this training and money into it. She just sort of rocked up, which isn't the case, obviously. No, of I have to say, not. I've got a bit of beef about that in general, actually, which is mm. that this kind of idea that people, now there's quite so much snobbery around whether people mm. trained and, you know, you get people, they go, oh, they've just come off reality TV and they're going into this job. And what about good old fashioned training? And you think, well, first of all, good old fashioned training, as we know, can cost 10 grand a year. And who's to say? As long as someone can do it, mm. do you know what I mean? As long as they've got the talent well, and the how ability. How does it matter how they got who there? Who gives a shit if they came off Love Island or, uh, sure, if they can't do it. But I think we've got such a huge sort of distaste for, like, people just having an innate talent that they can go out and do. It's somehow you've yeah. cheated or, you know. When you like decided uni is not for you, mm. did that knock your confidence a bit or did it do the opposite and make you go, right, I'm going to have to do this for myself? Um, no, I just, it's mad to think back. Not a whole lot knocked my confidence. I think because of just the way I was brought up and, and things that happened in my life, I didn't really have, my, it took a lot to knock my confidence. And if it did, I didn't allow myself to feel that. I just was like, right, let's fix this. Let's move forward. What's the next steps? Yeah, I was always very much a problem solver. Sometimes to my own detriment because yeah. I didn't allow myself the time and the space to feel a bit sad or feel a bit, mm. you know, um, feel a bit down or disappointed, which meant as an adult, I had a lot of anxiety. Do you know what I mean? Sure, That's what of course. Yeah, yeah. It's like it has to come out of you, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it comes so out some way. It comes out sideways. Yeah. It has to. So I'm better at it now, thankfully. But in terms of confidence, I don't know. I think just because I always relied on myself for a lot of things, especially financially, emotionally, I just didn't have that part of me. I didn't let myself be like, oh, I can't, that's not for me. I was like, okay, this door's closed, where's the next one? And I was always, that's what I was saying earlier, like I was always grafting, always had my on the prize. Even if I was out doing promo work or dancing in nightclubs or in a coffee shop or trying to sell people shit windows, there was always a goal in the back yeah, of my head. Yeah, always yeah. trying to be like the best at that. Even if I am selling shit conservatory windows, yeah, yeah. I'm going to reach the fucking target that the, my boss wants me to reach today because I, I have to be yeah. the best at what I'm doing. I was the same, like, when I was a cleaner, I'd be like, this will be the cleanest bog you'll ever see. Uh, that is true. It's, like, it's a uh, pride definitely. thing, though. Do you think it's like a working class pride? It is. It's, and it's a thing of this sort of don't be lazy attitude mm. that everybody sort of has. It's like, and you think back on it, the minute your national insurance number comes in the door, it's straight to work. Yeah. Like, and that's just before you're 16. And there's a, such an immense pride from, like, the community, just in general, to be out at work. And they, even, like, people would ask me, Dad, and stuff, and where's, I saw Jamie Lee working in that coffee shop. I saw Jamie Lee working and blah, blah, blah. And there's this pride because, and it's, I think it's rightly so, but sometimes you can go too far on it where it's like, I remember having, like, a day off. And feeling so guilty, and I couldn't yeah. physically sit down and have a cup of tea. I had to do stuff and make a list, and da, 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 da. had to stay busy all the time That's because to sit down was like against what I'm about, and it was like lazy and what a waste of a day. Like yeah. you couldn't take time to pause, which now you know, again, it's too extreme. It's almost yeah. to your own detriment. How are you now with sitting back and having a day off? 
oh, I can do it grand now. Again, yeah. it does take you away. And you do. I had a wild problem with anxiety in the morning where I would wake up. I still get it sometimes. I would, I would wake up, don't even look my eyes, and I would just have this pang in my stomach of like, right, what I have to do today? Mm. What has to happen to do? And it just, you just have to sort of practice getting over it and, and not letting that happen. I can have like two days and then I'm like, right, I've got to, I've got to do something. I've been, I've been teaching this week because... Not because I necessarily, luckily, I'm in a really, you know, the best financial state I've ever been in. It's because I can't sit still. I have to, and I love, I love teaching. I love giving back and all of that. But I, I went in because I was like, I'd have to keep my brain ticking over. I've had a, I've had a couple of weeks off now. I can't. So yeah, it's, it's mm. mad, isn't it? I don't think I can shift that no matter what I do. I just think it's in my bones, yeah. you know, to keep grafting and whatever that is. Exactly. And also... I mean, I know like you're in a really good place now and stuff um, in terms of your career and, and, and financially, but do you ever worry it's all going to stop and the money's going to run out? Do you ever have that fear? Because I do every day. I mean, do you know what? I don't because I didn't, as I said, I didn't really grow up with, with loads of money. And I've worked from I'm 16 and haven't stopped and I've always, always been financially responsible for myself from that age. Yeah. Even at uni and all that, all that was always on me. So and I trust myself mm. with money if that makes sense. So even even through lockdown and stuff, I, I was in the wee house I was in in Derry, and I remember people saying, oh, "What are you doing living here? Thought you were doing well." And stuff like that never bothered me. I was never on being about snazzy or fancy. Yeah. And I've had times when I've got all my bills paid and my rent paid, and then I've nothing left, but mm. everything's paid and there's food in the in the fridge and the presses. So that to me was grand. That's successful. Do you know what I mean? And mm. then I've, I've I'm going to be grinding my next payday. Obviously, it's not like that anymore, but I was always looking for a plan B and plan C. So and I'll never I'll never live outside my means. I'll never spend it all with my fingers crossed that someone's coming. I physically, yeah. physically can't do that. Even if, as I say, through lockdown, if I could afford to live in a big fancy house or blah, 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 I still wasn't going to do it because I wasn't sure what when the coming. next one was coming. Like every industry, we had no idea when I was going to start again. Yeah, yeah. So the savings pot I had, was it touched just in case and that's why I wouldn't necessarily worry because I think I'm, I've from it's from age of 16 I've had a wee pot yeah. to sort of keep me above water and keep me under that next step if the shit hits the fan Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You 
you mentioning earlier about like when you started doing theatre and people were a bit like, oh, um, about like obviously you've not trained and you was mm-hmm. that was that sort of like the first time you sort of felt aware of your class perhaps and what that meant in theatre or the arts and um, I think so I think it I remember you know having conversations with people about you know your journey and things like that and I remember being really wet behind the ears when I was first started especially doing TV and I just thought everyone was going to have be great friends and we were all so excited to do this job and as you the first thing people would say is where did you train and I'd be like oh I didn't I was in a panto like six months ago dancing and they were like okay mm-hmm. and during that reaction I thought they'd be like wow fair play but some of the, some people weren't and they were just about as I say about muffs so and we're I'm sitting thinking why why is that a problem I don't understand that reaction and then really picking it apart in my head I thought oh because you know they obviously are thinking what the hell like I almost deserve to be here mm-hmm. and that was the first time I thought I don't know I remember thinking that it was some sort of negative thing that it didn't come from money it certainly took me a lot longer to get where I am now with, with only using my own money yeah. it definitely took a lot longer than what I think it should or what I would like to like to too. But that that probably was the first time I had a real you know, like I remember even in, in living in London and people like, Oh no, I was out last night or I bought this or I bought that. So my my parents are gonna cover my rent for a couple of months and I'll just give it back to them. And just thinking, Jesus, that must be great. Yeah. Just like, can you just pop my rent on the you know what I mean? Yeah. But again, realizing that and then being able to go to classes and take time off to do you know, there's this great teacher in London that's doing six weeks of classes. And I was like, I'd love to do that, but there's absolutely no way I could take six weeks off in evenings. Yeah, I think you and I have had a conversation um, way back when we were working together saying like, I definitely feel like I'd be further along in my career if I didn't mm. have to be working, you know, like, you know, I was on the comedy circuit for years, but because I had to work um, alongside that, I couldn't always concentrate on my writing. I couldn't better my act as much as I wanted to. I was running from work to get to a gig, taking in the wrong energy, not being as, you know, as relaxed as I'd like to be. And and just having to go, oh, fuck it, I actually can't do that right now. I'm going to have to not do Edinburgh Festival because I've got to go and work and just losing those opportunities. And it's... um. It used to feel really frustrating, but I kind of, I'm glad of it now. I don't know. I feel like I'm glad of it now. Do you? I do. I and I sort of think there's no point in looking back because you can't yeah. change it. Mm-hmm. You have to find the silver lining. You have to pull out the good parts yeah. and, and hold those things close to you instead of going, what if I'd have had the financial back and I could have had this stride 10 years ago or whatever. There's no point in doing that. It, it is what it is. Yeah. So talk us through... Um, getting Derry Girls we've got to talk about that obviously because it was such a huge breakthrough for you um I so basically I was in London living and then I came back and again the, I felt like I was just doing loads of promo and you know you kind of hit you had a speed bump and you just feel like you're not getting any auditions or any yeah any anything because at one point I lived in Manchester for a while as well and I was going down to London for auditions because I couldn't afford the train, that was like ninety pound. Mm. Um, I used to get the bus, but um, I had an agent and I knew people in the industry that I was sort of living with, even though I was sort of again the odd audition, the odd bits and pieces. So I was hearing about these auditions and I was getting getting in for them. So because the train was so expensive, and at the time I was working in a clothes shop and a pub, so I was taking time off work to get the train down or sorry the, the bus, which takes just under six hours one way, mm. and I was yeah. doing it that much that I, I ended up taking the pillow with me you know like my actual pillow and I yeah. remember going down to London 
and walk around London with my pillow and my bag and just thinking, God, this is it. You know, just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Like, just a small town girl. I, that's what it was. I felt like I should have had a nice hat on or something or and a cigarette <laughs> and a coffee. Just loved myself, even though I got absolutely nowhere. But I was still glad to go. And it's so mad. Someone says to me, you know, when you sit in the bus for 12 hours a day, I'd be like, no, thank you. But yeah. then... If you had asked me to jump out of the plane, you so, that's what is your hunger and your drive and your mm-hmm. resilience. Like that's what's so evident when we talk to you now. Your resilience is incredible. How you just kept uh, going, like mad. So you're going in, you're going in up for all these auditions. You're traveling six hours each time. Um, when did it finally drop for you? Um, what was the fir- what was your first job and what what how did that? Oh, sort I had of- jobs before that. This was sort of in between. I'd done a, a TV show over here. Oh yeah, in yeah yeah in Northern Ireland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in Northern Ireland, I was six degrees, and it was my, my first TV job. I'd only done theatre up until then. I think I was twenty twenty one when I got it. That went on for three seasons, and obviously. I thought, well, this is at the next step from BBC Northern Ireland is LA. That's obviously <laughs> yeah. Well, why not? Also, why not? Spielberg's going to ring me and be like, "Get you over here, staff." <laughs> I've seen you in that BBC anything. So <laughs> that didn't happen. Big surprise. So I was always sort of moved to England, moved back home, moved in our part of England. I moved. I changed um, agents, auditioning, done a play, then loads of promo, worked in a bar, then another play, and that sort of happened for ages. And then I moved back from England, then I back from London. And I bought a corner shop. You bought a corner shop? I know why. Because, again, my entrepreneurial spirit and my drive to be successful no matter what. And this also, is amazing. And, and also, Jamie loves crisps. So I could just imagine the array of crisps you had on there. She's a crisp connoisseur. She loves a crisp. I am. It was stunning, guys. Right? <laughs> Did you have loads of potatoes in there? Loads. Everything, <laughs> everything you could possibly want. And um, so I had that for a while. That was supposed to be a bigger thing than what it was. It didn't work out. We're supposed to have a kitchen in it, and it was supposed to be a whole thing. Again, How did you just buy sort of that with someone else? else. How did you buy that with what? No, it, it was like I took it was the premises was there, so it was my savings. Had a wee savings pot. Wow, like I took Jamie, the I pot. didn't know this. I and I, I took over the shop and bought all the stock and got everything there. Rented out the thing, got the license in and all that. Blah blah blah. Ready to rock. Um, and like anybody would tell you, a corner shop. Doesn't make a whole lot of money. No, you're talking about your um your profit margins usually so things small, like that about fifteen percent. So if something costs a pound, it's just not that much. It's going to take you. So, but it wasn't for the shop. We were looking to build a kitchen out the back and right. do all that. It wasn't working out for a few different reasons, and I was still auditioning. Um, I didn't. I think I didn't have an agent at the time. Um, and I've, I got a call about this audition for a show called. I told my mum I was going on an RE trip. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So I got an agent in between auditions. That if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, because I knew I needed someone to sort this contract and all the rest of it. That was a play, and I went down to Belfast for the audition. I got that part, and it was a tour that was going around the UK, and that was around the time the shop wasn't doing well. So I just sort of cut my losses there and says, right, the shop's done and dusted. We got rid of it, paid our last bit of rent, sold all the stock, and wrapped it up, and then went on tour with this play, and then throughout that, I got the auditions for Dairy Gears, and that took four auditions. So how did life change for you doing Dairy Girls? Like how did suddenly people know you and I think what... I think um obviously the SP people loved it and I still loved in Dairy at the time. Um and people obviously loved the show. They fully identified with it, especially yep. in Dairy. Yeah. Um and it all just sort of took off really, really quickly. And from the first episode I remember my Twitter, and I, I don't like Twitter. I actually have to delete it because I just never be on it. No. And my Instagram was still private. 
because it was so, I'm such a close I, I was and I was such a close person and a bit afraid if people were like showing loads of interest in me I thought what's your ulterior motive yeah yeah <laughs> What do you want from me? You know, Babe, I mean? it's not a bad thing to be off the socials. It's very, very healthy place to not be on the socials, in my what? opinion. That, that's my goal. That's my goal. Do not need them, but uh, but I, it just sort of all changed. And then when everybody go for you go from like as I said, this sort of thing of this identity of like you you are the grafter, you're you're pushed in for the career. That's who you are. That's you're almost as I say, it makes up who you are. Yeah, of it, course. It, it informs every day of how you're going to shape your day and what the goal is for the day. Yeah. Suddenly, whenever you put your foot on the door and then you're through it and that's your career it's it's a bit of an identity crisis almost or it can be of course it was yeah. just really overwhelming do you know what so I mean and it was really I didn't realize how closed off a person I was until that happened people started trying to invite themselves into my company it freaked me out and people expect you to be Michelle they expect you to be really loud yeah. and brash and like it is mad today babe right I was out I was walking my puppy I was walking, walking Bosco and oh, um, and um, this woman ran out of the shop and said excuse me are you Terry King off King Gary? And I was like, literally had no bra on, holy <laughs> leggings, and I was literally just picking up his really runny dog shit. Sounds lovely. <laughs> she was like, can I take oh, a picture of you? And I was like, trying to scoop up his shit. Oh, and, and, then, and then I was like, uh, yeah, sure. And then she started saying, are, are, are you like um, uh, are you like Terry? Are you like She's just desperately wanted me to be like right. the part. And um, I was like, um, uh, not really, no. And, I, and she sort of took this picture of me and I still had the dog shit in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, do you know what I thought? I wouldn't have it any other way. Do you know what I mean? I just wouldn't have it any other way. No. So Derry Girls happens. Um, oh. And I mean, it was a is a gargantuan hit isn't it and I forget like you've actually only done two series is you're about to do your third right yes and I'm allowed to say this is the final one because it was in the press wasn't it yes yes yeah how's that feel obviously it's the final season and all that going into it it's so exciting and I know it's going to be so sad when the last week we've just started now and as much as like oh it'd be nice to sort of put it to bed and do it it's going to be it's going to be heartbreaking when it's over but I think I'm, I'm proud of the body of work and I'm sure I'll be the same with this third season. I'm so happy with the people I've worked with and what we've created and what it's done for, I think, with female-led comedies, especially mm. working-class Irish girls. Yeah. And Dylan, mm. he's one of the girls. Can I ask you something? Um, Obviously, yeah. you know, we all come at this from a place of privilege now, as we've mentioned mm. earlier, and we, we sort of touched on it at the beginning about... um whether we still feel working class. I think like I definitely gravitated towards you when we were filming mm-hmm. um, because I just felt like there was just there was just like a link in our backgrounds and we instantly just opened up, told each other everything about, you know, our struggle and how we got to where and I think we really appreciate that in each other. Do you feel still working class at your roots, even though you're not probably living a, a complete working class life right now? I feel like I feel like I am. I feel like that's who I am. It's on my DNA. No matter what Dizzy and Heights my career takes me to, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I still, I do, I feel like having that beginning and that struggle has got me where I am. So without that in my DNA, that I wouldn't be at this point. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Sure. I, really I, do, I definitely that. don't think you'd have sat on that bloody coach for six hours and over and over again gone and done all those shitty jobs that you did not shitty jobs but you know jobs that you didn't want to be doing it, I just the resilience is there and that's definitely definitely a working class thing do you think that hand yeah I do and also you were saying as well like obviously you've got these huge aspirations still but you you, you still base yourself in Derry and are the things that you feel really that you like you're saying about having your friends and are the things that you still hold on really tight to that feel important to have that connection um 
definitely. I think, as you say, my friends and family and I think my attitude and my outlook, I think, not, as I say, none of my friends back home are actors or anything. They all have what we call normal jobs, normal <laughs> human being, decent jobs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That don't drive you mad. Yeah. <laughs> I just sort of think, obviously, having that connection, they, they, those people helped me throughout it. They done me, they helped me auditions. They they sort of were always there, with my, like really written for me. So they have all that. Obviously, I think keeps me connected. But what I also think it really stands out is now that I am doing well and I'm getting I'm a better financial position. It almost annoys me that there's so many people from my background and growing up that don't even have access to proper health care, have to be on a waiting list yeah, for NHS yeah. for two years to get cataract surgery or whatever surgery or get cancer drugs. It, it, there's a part of me that's part of myself, but there's a part of me that feels guilty that I'm getting those opportunities when yeah. so many people aren't. Do you think yeah. you've seen and that like, really annoys me. Do you think you see, you just mentioned that, some amazing point. Do you feel like you can see those inequalities even more now? Even more. Because yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I obviously appreciate when people pay me for things. Don't, I really, really do. At the start, as I say, I felt I'm feeling really guilty, thinking, or even now if I pay, I, I paid a taxi to, to Belfast from Derry, right? It was £100. And I remember thinking, that is disgusting. Yeah, who do what you think you are? Yeah. Oh, do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. not just sitting going, Jamie, you need to calm down. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. But because it's like it got me there quicker, it was handier, I had work to do, 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 do. there was all these reasons. But I had to justify that to myself, even yeah. though it might sound ridiculous to some people. It's just that part of me is always going to be there and I don't want it to leave. You, you have to feel okay with it at some point. You obviously have to. But the thing that sort of gets to me, the higher up I go in terms of my career and stuff, the more angry it gets me about mm. the people that I come from and the, the areas I come from and how fucking shit life can be when it doesn't have to be the yeah. money there's money there it's just not going to these people it's not going to these communities it didn't go to my community really growing up no. I know that's a whole, probably a whole other podcast but it's so obvious now yeah it was before but then whenever you love this life and people treat me different yeah so then my acting's beautiful and glorious and people could just listen to me talk for ages yeah, where before right. I remember people like have a conversation people almost recoiling you know you could see their face kind of with their eyebrows furrowed and they yeah. were just actively listening and being a bit like, where are you from? Yeah. Do this sort yeah, of, yeah. that all changes suddenly whenever you have a name or you think you've got money and it's not with everybody. Don't get me wrong. There's some absolutely beautiful people I've met course, from all course. different types of backgrounds. Of course. Really wealthy people really, and gorgeous people. But just every so often those wee instances definitely stand out. Yeah. And it makes you go, God, if I, if I had a few years ago, you probably wouldn't have thought that of me. Certain people. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? I was thinking about that today because, um, like in the news this week is the thing that um obviously the Tories want to take back the 20 quid extra that's been paid to people during COVID for oh. uh, benefits, you know, the extra 20 quid. And they're saying that you can't, the, there was this really interesting thing today, just like a little tweet thing going around, but saying that if you've got money, you just cannot understand what that £20 means. If you've always had money, if you've never experienced not having money, you know, they're saying that for £20, you can't understand how £20 to use a nice glass of Merlot. Yes. And for someone else, it's a weekly shop. Yeah. And exactly. you just can't understand that if yeah. you've never... So, yeah, you've got money now, but you will never not have the experience of not having money. Yeah. And that's the difference, isn't it? You can't unlearn the value of money whenever, you say, you yeah. grew up with not having a lot of it. And not only that, as I say... I was fully, fully self-sufficient since I was 16. Yeah. So I was so aware. Like, I remember working in shop, clothes shops and bars and all the rest of it. And the £20, like, you paid your rent, which was massively overpriced, even in dairy, for what you were getting for your minimum wage job. Mm. And you budgeted everything. Your tenor and your phone every couple of weeks. 
15 pound for shopping if it was just you a week and um, maybe you bought a, a candle from the pound shop because you were feeling fancy that day <laughs> but there was you just had it like you have to every single penny counted you have to budget everything and saying it's only 20 pound for for somebody who if it's the same minister she claimed 200 grand in expenses for a year right and she's the one that got the 20 pound 200 grand in expenses unbelievable and I know waitress is dear, but fucking calm down. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's our 20 quid that's yeah. going on to her fucking waitress shop. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that irritate my shite so much because you don't know what you're talking about if you think 20 pound is no big deal. It fucking is. It's a huge deal. It's a heap of nappies. It's it's formula. It's a school shirt. Yeah. It is definitely a full weekly shop. It is. For sure. If yeah. you need to, if you really are hard up against it, £20 is a full week shop for, for yeah. a, 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 you know, a single mum, not even and a single mum. And you know mom. exactly where every penny's going to go yes. and how you know, resourceful you can be with that £20. And that's where that big disconnect is because to them it's just £20. Why you are you know. making such yeah. a fuss about £20? And to someone else that £20 is a lifeline. I don't know, it's just really... This week, it's I just thought, shit. God, it is horseshit. It's elitist <laughs> bullshit is what it is. Elitist it is. horseshit. It is, mate. So listen, uh, we're coming to the end of our celebration of you, mm-hmm. Jamie Lee. Uh, but before we finish, we always ask our guests to think of an unsung hero uh, that they would like to celebrate. So who would that be for you? I would like to celebrate my daddy. And... Um, I think just because of knowing the life he's had, it wasn't the easiest growing up. Like a lot of people growing through the troubles in Northern Ireland and in Derry, Belfast and that. And to come through that and come through a lot of hardships, he's still such a lovely person, such such a positive outlook, outlook for somebody who's had a lot of negativity that wasn't their fault. And I think just how strong he is and how brave he is and how he's literally taught me that if you want something, you have to work for it. Mm. And if you want more, you work harder. Yeah. And it was just always that attitude. It's like, well, don't talk about it, go do it. And I remember he always steered me in the straight and narrow without sort of sort of talking at me or telling me off. He was always, my dad is a very intelligent man. He would always plant the seed of thought and let you come to the conclusion yourself. Like years ago, whenever you were on about the street and your friends might have been getting up to stuff that probably wasn't very... Very good, or very positive for futures. And I remember my daddy saying to me, "Do you know if you get caught doing something like that, you won't be able to be an actor. You won't be able to travel. You have a criminal record. You can't go to LA." And I was like, "Whoa! I never, I never thought of that." Mm. And he was like, "You won't be able to go to Hollywood." And then I'm not him. Instead of him going, "Don't do this. Don't do that. I know better." It's just like imagine that happened, and you would just lose all that. And I yeah. would, and it really talked to your soul. You were like, "Shit!" Yeah. And he always got greedy without without making you feel patronized or talked or spoke at. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And he was just always really supportive and really just a really brilliant person. He has a lot of adversity in his life, like a lot of people, and he's just sort of come through it as a really positive, lovely person still. And we are best friends as gammas at signs. I don't care. That's, we are. that's so <laughs> lovely. And he's clearly done an incredible job on you, babe, because mm-hmm. everything about you, I love your fight, I love your resilience. I couldn't give two fucks if you didn't train. I think actually how you got there was even harder and I've got massive, massive amount of respect for you. What was your, what's your dad's name? Charlie O'Donnell. We're going to celebrate you, Jamie, and your dad, Charlie O'Donnell, Aww. today. Thank you so much for joining us, baby. Thank it's you. It's been, been amazing. amazing. Thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, God, I literally feel like a broken record because every single time we have a guest, I'm like, oh, that was so inspiring. But 
that was so inspiring. I know, I know. And she's just, um, it's her resilience, isn't it? It's just so admirable. I think it's that she had a really, I don't know, what, yeah, what do you mean by traditional? But she's done it her own way, hasn't she? And mm-hmm. she's just had that blind faith that it was it was all going to happen. Yeah, I just, I'm, I've just got massive amounts of respect for her. I'm so glad um, we got her on here. Um, and you can, of course, catch Jamie on the third and final series of Derry Girls, which is airing sometime next year for Channel 4. And also look out for Screw, which is a new prison drama that's coming to Channel 4, which she's starring in alongside me. And uh, again, that'll be out early next year. Um, well, that's it, guys. We'll, uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks with a brand new guest. Uh, and just remember, always keep it classy. Proper Class Podcast is produced by Michelle Farscott for Rangabee Productions, edited by James Torrance, with music by Tommy Music. This episode was recorded at the Umbrella Rooms. If you want to find out more about Hannah and Laura and why they wanted to do the Proper Class Podcast, check out the bonus episode available now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.